My guest today on the Sales Leadership Podcast is Alvin Schauer. Alvin currently serves as the CRO for Basware. Prior to his recent appointment there, he served in a number of senior sales leadership positions. He was the DAC chairman at the of the management board and senior VP at Software AG. Before that, he was the area vice president for cloud services at Salesforce. Alvin, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, and uh, I'm super happy to be here with you. And I really liked how you spelled software AG because that's the correct German spelling of AG. A lot of people say it's AG, but in reality, it's spelled like AG. That's perfect. Thanks for that. Very welcome. Tell me a little bit about where, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in southern Germany in a little city close to Stuttgart. So, uh, you know, out of the land where a lot of great cars are coming from, which is engineering, which is, which is the German middle stand. And yeah, so, so I grown there up, uh, was there at school. And after that, uh, then I transitioned somehow into Bavaria for university reasons. And uh, like the time gone, uh, I stayed there until now. And, and how would you generally describe your childhood growing up, either, either in that region or just in general, your, your whole kind of experience of, of childhood? Yeah, I'm, I think it was a pretty good one, you know. Uh, I was grown up really in a small village, so there was a lot of nature, a lot of animals, a lot of farmers, and, you know, I enjoyed that really well, you know, because uh, it, it was a good one, you know, to be out there uh, in the nature, uh, playing football, playing tennis, whatever was also there, and so I think that was a really a good one. And, you know, it continued also until now because I'm still living completely on the countryside. So uh, I'm not in a big city, so I'm going for work into the big cities. But at home uh, on the weekends, I really love the countryside. And maybe this is all, also a reflection uh, from where I'm growing up. Yeah, I, I don't people who visit Germany and maybe go to any of the big cities, I don't think they appreciate how how important small villages and nature and is is in the german culture it's it's everywhere it's it's i would have thought very few people but tell me i'm wrong are big city people most of the people i know tend to come from that rural background yeah yeah, you know, it's good, but you know, when you look also at the population of the cities, they are growing up all the time. Maybe mm. during the pandemic that now the growth uh, stopped a bit or got a bit reduced in Central Rio, uh, Europe. But overall, I think still a lot of people love to live into the city. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I also love to be in a city, you know, having a lot of restaurants, uh, having a lot of entertainment uh, stuff, what you can do. But, you know, at the end, we are all working a lot of time during the week and we see a lot uh, big cities and all of that so on the weekends you know it is the opposite you know you have nature you have a silence and uh, this is also I think very good and I will definitely not miss that was it much of an adjustment going from Stuttgart to Bavaria not really you know um, 
It is pretty similar in the south of Germany, you know, there are always these jokes between uh, the Swabians who are living in the west of South Germany and the Bavarians, but you know, in the east of South Germany, but at the end, this, I feel this is more a kind of a, some jokes, you know, where, where uh, you, you try to squeeze some people in some conversation, but in reality, this is one. I think, you know, we are all Europeans and we should feel like that. And tell me then a little bit about what would have been a major influence on your values and your choices in life from, from your earlier experiences. <laughs> that is a very, a very good question. And, uh, you know, when you are growing up and when you get into your first job and, you know, then you are progressing and, you know, then you never think so much about your core values, uh, about what are the stuff from where you are grown up or, or, or what is the foundation where you are living and how you can get happy. Uh, but you know, there was, there was a time, I think it was four years ago or so, where uh, together with an external business coach, uh, we try to reflect about myself, about my own targets and uh, where I want to be and of course also who I am. And you know, mm -hmm. then when you start such a thinking process, this is really an amazing story in which you put yourself in there. Besides, or, 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 or nevertheless, you never thought about core values or who you are before, you know, because mm -hmm. my whole life that was a kind of, you know, I was excited about this and then I got into that, it worked good, you know, then somebody offered you the next step and it gone into this direction. But you know, then at this time with the business coach, I really started the first time to really think about myself and who I am. And uh, together with this person that were really an amazing period of time and you know, it took me maybe over a year to find out what are my real core values. And then when you are reflecting about the core values, which you just found out, you can really see when you're looking in your past that you always decided with these core values, but you have never, never uh, thought about that this is based on my core values. That was simply my DNA, but then about knowing what your core values are. A lot of decisions you made for yourself in the past, they make completely sense. And you know, that was a, a really a great journey on what was uh, I in there. And my core values, you know, they are honesty, they are commitment, and it is a huge portion of curiosity. And you know, when I tie all of that together, I would say nearly every decision what I did for my life in the past made completely sense. And I added, of course, a fourth uh, core value. This is patience. But this is the one where I have mostly to work on, and that was the reason why I put it that also on my list. Yeah. yeah. And thinking about this, I would say definitely the area where we grown up, or uh, also the friends what we had, and you know all that things. They are really building ourselves for the future. And then you know when you go into that process, finding out what your core values are, I would say they are definitely built in my use. And they continued and I could really stick to them so far. And I'm pretty sure that I will stick to them also in the future. What did you learn about yourself then that, that surprised you?
<laughs> that was this is a good one, and there is really a story about that, because in that whole process, I learned that I am a Buddhist, and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking more about that for me, the way where I'm on is much more important than the target what is set up. So you know, I'm a person who who really needs to have an enjoyable way. A way which is with fun, which is with success, and you know that makes me happy. So this huge, big thing, you know, that I want to fly to the moon or things like that, this is not so really existing in myself. And you know, this uh, it is really the journey is the goal. And you know, I, I always got a smile that this is also one of the uh, lessons of the Buddhism, you know, and so I always uh, smile a bit around and said, I found out that I'm a Buddhist. Yeah. Do you think that's true for most people that just don't know it, that a lot of people think success is the destination rather than the journey and that through this process, you you discovered what was already there really inside you, but that more people should should be more like that and just spend more time on on the on the path. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I I I would say like that, and you know, it is also a, one part also of this exercise what I did there was also to define my goals, where. What are really the stuff for the future? You know, separated in in four buckets. You know, the career, the finance, the wellness, and also definitely the the proposal, the legacy. And that was really a tough work for myself because when you are somebody who is enjoying the way to there, you know, for such a person, it is super difficult to really define. What are really the goals where I want to measure myself against? And you know, I then gone down a road. You know, first I stick pictures, you know, which uh, give me a kind of a visualization where I want to be and uh, what I want to be. And you know, then my coach said, "Yeah, I mean that, that's fine. You took the easy way, you know, because you can take a picture on there. You understand what you mean with that, but nobody else understands that. So you know, it is better now to work on to write that down. And mm. you know, then the translation of the pictures into a written text. That was another year in this journey to really find out what I can write down on these four buckets, and then yeah. of course there is also another component which makes this journey super interesting. It's as soon as you write them down, you realize that you have to communicate on them, because you know I'm married. So when I put their goals for my life in written form, I have definitely to align that with my wife. Because otherwise, you know, that would not go into the right direction, and that was then really that were really good communications around it, which also uh, brought really additional things to the relationship together with my wife and also with my brother or with my mother, for example. And so this was really a journey which was a super difficult one, but I will never miss. You know, and uh, and and then I would say the next point there is then to talk openly about this journey and to share it also with your team in business to go there. And you know, when you do it the first time, it's super difficult about. But then when you see what feedback you get, 
This makes you really proud. And afterwards, you are feeling so much better, you know, when you really talk to people about your core values, what are really your goals. And I think, especially in business, that helps a lot to uh, for other people to understand you better, how you do your decisions, how you are going ahead. And you know that there is for also a personal topic to my person, you know. And so... I think that is really a good exercise. It was a painful one, definitely, but uh, with the outcome, I'm super, super happy. For somebody maybe who knew you five years ago and they were to meet you again and spend some time with you now, what would they observe? What would they notice that's different? You, you mean after this kind of uh, <clears throat> exercise? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think, you know, before this exercise, I think I have a little bit of brand that uh, you can give Alvin something and he will, make, he will make it happen, you know? You give him a problem, he solves it and he makes it productive. And you know, it's somehow regardless of what you put on his table, he will really deliver that. And that was a good one and I think that was always fine, but I had also some topics, you know, to be open to other people and to uh, share about myself. And with this exercise, this sharing of myself, that really was completely different after this exercise. And when you look about how people react to you, you know, when they mostly see somebody in you uh, who delivers the stuff what he gets, he's over delivering that and it's all fine, you know, uh, not so much personal interactions are happening or, you know, it stays always uh, business usual, you know, a little bit more distance. But I think when you are open up more and share more about you and really also communicate your own plans and your vision uh, open and honestly, I think you can really leverage relationships in business to another level. And you can help other people much more. Other people are much more interested also in help yourself when you have a topic. So that you can get really, as a person, stronger. You get, I would say, much more respect and also a willingness to work together with you, you know, uh, and include you in brainstorming and, and in own thinking, you know, compared to, uh, yeah, that's the job, let's do it, let's do it better than everybody else, and then I'm happy, you know? And this thing has, I would say, completely changed. And have people fed that back to you, that they see a different, uh, maybe not a different, but, but an expanded experience of you as an individual? Uh, what do you mean exactly with that? Well, you're still the same person, yeah. fundamentally. What you're saying now is that you're more comfortable being more vulnerable, sharing about yourself and about your vision, but maybe your feelings on a given matter where before it was much, I got the impression it was more, okay, show me the goal, let me go, and it was more closed. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm curious to know if people, when they notice that, that they, that they say it to you, that they say, hey, Alvin, guess what? You know, this, this new album we really like. Yes, I think um, definitely with the people who could uh, be able to know me from before and after, I think I got really a lot of good feedback. 
Um, and I think that was also great. That's also made me proud. But I think what also has changed is that how I could interact with people and how people wanted to interact with myself. So that was really something which changed because, you know, at the beginning, so I would say I was a kind of the typical German, you know, what the word, uh, what the world is thinking about the German, you know, that's the job and the German comes back when the job is done, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that is something like that. And, you know, it was also always about how you get the job done and this how that started now to be, to have a much bigger size in the communications, what I have. And, you know, it was also a personal reflecting or how I see problems, you know. I think a huge thing is when you do something, when you achieve something, you have a way for that. And, you know, in my past, I always thought of, fine, I have the way, we go that. That's my way and this way is correct. But, you know, as... Yeah. In times then when you get more experienced, when you start more communicating, you will definitely see that other people can do the same, but they do it differently. So there are a lot of ways how to come to uh, the target or to get to the point where the job is done or the job is over delivered or whatever. And I think that was also a great learning in that I could really sharpen my my listening capabilities, you know, to listen much more to other people, also to ask them proactively how they would solve a topic or a problem, you know, and not always thinking, oh, my thing is the right way, let's go like that, it has to be like that, you know, because there are different ways and the different ways are coming out of, you know, are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Uh, from which area of this world you are coming from? And you know, I think all that's different people, they have different ideas and different ways how to come uh, to the goal. And, you know, this whole listening to others and, you know, is bring people together, bring teams together and trust them and uh, also go some ways or sometimes not the way like you think is the right one, that you also empower your team, that we go in their way like they think it's correct. You know, this is getting much more innovation on the table. This is getting speeding up some processes there. And I think it's also generating much more a culture of empowerment or psychological safetyness that people can really go where they want to be or, or that they can go over what they thought they can deliver. And I think this is, this is amazing to see how other people can thrive when you are setting up by sharing, by trusting an environment which allows everybody to thrive. Okay. I, I want to talk to you about Bazware and your transition into that role in a moment. I had one final question on this topic before we move into that, if it's all right. Uh, what I'd like you to do, I can imagine, you said four years ago you started on this journey, and I can imagine that there's other people out there, maybe in a similar to position to where you were four years ago. Uh, it might be helpful to them. In as much as you, you're comfortable, could you share with us what was it that prompted? You obviously picked up the phone and spoke to this coach, right? You, you wanted, there was something, some catalyst. Uh, it, it, can you share that with us? What I guess what triggered 
you going on this journey? Uh, yes, so uh, definitely. So, so I think that came really out of some discussions uh, with my boss at this time was Paul Smith, so may you know him. He's now, I think, uh, the head of service now for EMEA. And, you know, we had a lot of discussions about personal development, how to go ahead, you know. And he reflected then also, you know, this feedback that what my brand was, what I told you earlier, you know. And uh, he said also, you know, to deliver the goals and to over-deliver them and to do great business things. That is only one side of the coin when you want to grow up yourself, when you, uh, you know, be a better leader and, you know, and and so uh, we, we had there really a lot of discussions and there was a, also a lot of self-reflection from Paul, which he shared also with myself. And, you know, then I also started to realize that this is maybe now a next chapter for all we needed, you know, to learn that things, which was really not in my DNA before. And so uh, Paul gave me then the, uh, the opportunity, you know, to go to an external business coach and start this conversation. And mm. yeah, it is always uh, an interesting thing because Paul was a bit wondering at this time last year, you know, uh, I thought maybe I should have reached out earlier to you with such a business coach thing. But my opinion was, you know, you're a German and in Germany, that's not really popular to go to a business coach. And I said, oh, yeah, but, you know, that's maybe an assumption. Uh, but I'm definitely inter interested in that. And I think this is really, yeah, this, this is an element which I'm super proud of that I had the chance to go into that direction. And I really took it seriously. You know, it was not always easy, you know, to talk to somebody who is, uh, which you don't know before. And you talk on really tough stuff, which sits in, uh, in the inner things of you. And yeah, but you know, at the end, it was really amazing. You bring up an interesting point there. I have a question. What assumptions do we make about Germans that are not true? <laughs> I think a lot. Okay. I think a lot. And uh, um, I think there, there is a brand, you know, of uh, um, having a lot of tradition and, you know, being only focused on developing the best products in the world and, uh, you know, being super straight. Uh, we need a law for everything, you know. And um, I think the culture here in Germany really changed a lot. And uh, I must say also a huge thanks to our government, how they handled the crisis. And it was really the first time in my life when I seen that they showed so much flexibility and, you know, took decisions with knowing that maybe in two weeks time they have to redo them. Uh, and I think that was really a critical element in uh, how Germany could handle this pandemic. And uh, such little things, you know, proving more flexibility, going, for example, for a software selection, without an RFP, you know, all that things what normally a German likes to do. I, I see that now upcoming more and more. And so I think this is really a big thing what uh, my home country really is developing on to be really much more competitive for the future. Hmm. But here's, the, here's what worries me is that a lot of these things that you talk about is what has made Germany and German business so powerful. How do you make sure you don't lose sight of that? Because I know my car is German, my motorbike is German, 
my my electric bike is German, my camera is German, right? Oh, my washing machine, my our washing machine. So the, <laughs> I, I, I changed that there. Uh, tumble dryers, dishwashers, Miele, they're all German because they just work and, and they continue to work because the inputs to that is that sense of rigid structures, stick to the process, do it right. Um, and so how, my, I guess long question is, how, how do you make sure you hold on to that and embrace more of a flexible approach to life? Um, I think, you know, um, the German engineering, how we build stuff, how we plan for it, that's a great one and we should really stick to that. But I think we have to define in which areas we are getting much more flexible. You know, and I think this is this is the, the, the real important thing, how, you, you know, products itself, they don't sell anymore, you know, and I think the Germans were super proud in delivering over the past uh, 70 years, the best products in the world and everybody bought the products because they were the best. And I think, well, I hope that they are simply still the best ones, but you know, uh, a lot of other areas in this world really catched up. They are also delivering great products. And so, you know, we have to find a way how we are getting more flexible in the way how we sell our product, you know, focusing more on the customer and not only on the product itself. And, you know, also going into all, all the things which are running behind, you know, uh, that this has also to be a little bit more flexible. The culture has to change. And, yeah, I think, you know, we are going there more in a way to be global citizens than German citizens and you know so it's a lot about learning what other cultures are doing differently and adopt that now then to a to an engine or an organization you know which takes care about all the good things and not only on the stuff what you learned uh, in the country where you are grown up. Mm, makes sense, make, makes sense. Uh, talk to me then a little bit about Basware. What was it that attracted you? Tell, first of all, for those people who have no idea who Basware is, maybe you could tell us a little bit about it first and then your role there and what your aspirations and visions are for it. Definitely. So uh, Basware is a Finnish company uh, which is uh, focused on uh, AP automation which has a huge network and which has a procure to pay um, solution which is helping companies uh, to send or receive invoices uh, globally and uh, manage that completely and is being connected completely with all of the ERP systems in the world. So it is all about suppliers, information about suppliers, handle the suppliers and being completely compliant regardless if you are sending or receiving invoices globally. Hmm. Now, for, for those of us among us who are not don't understand this business so well. I would have thought SAP, for example, as a company would have solved that problem. What problem is Basware solving that's currently either not solved or isn't done very well that you guys are doing well? So, um, you know, it is first and almost about automation, you know? So uh, there is not a single electronic way globally how you can send or how you can receive invoices in an electronic form. 
you know when that would be there uh, yeah it would go all easy but you know you have countries who have different taxes who have different ways or standards how they do taxes uh, and they are so separated between the countries you know that you need their really uh, special know-how then you have a lot of people who are still working on paper invoices for example or PDF invoices, you know, which there is not really uh, a valid digital data. So there is a, a huge portion of how you can automate to get all the invoices, regardless through which channel and on, on which medium they are coming, consolidated so that you have digital data so that you can process them and being more effective on the labor cost, definitely. And on the other side, when global companies how they work. They have very often different ERP systems in the different countries, you know, and so they don't have really a consolidated view before they consolidate their ERP data uh, to get really control about their spend, about to visualization of their commerce, what they do. And so this is exactly where Basware is strong on to offer companies really a centralized views on all their spends, on all the invoice sending, and a huge portion of automation. And it's- I would imagine then for a company to be a prospect for Bosware, they'd have to be a pretty big company processing a lot of international invoices. So our, our, our sweet spot on the customers are definitely the bigger companies who have a global footprint, but we have also smaller companies who have a smaller footprint where our solutions are also working. So, uh, but definitely the super small customers are not the best footprint for us. Uh, we have small solutions for them on expense management, for example, but the, the big domain the solution that's more for global acting companies with a level of complexity. Hmm. I, I, I'm always, you mentioned your uh, Basware Finnish company and I'm, I'm always fascinated by culture and company culture as well. You now working for a Finnish company before that, it was a German company before that, in uh, Salesforce, an American company. Um, uh, when, when you're working in lar those large organizations, do you experience a different cultures, business cultures I'm talking about, or is it because they're so big and they're on the global stage, it really doesn't matter, it's pretty seamless? Now, I think there are definitely uh, different cultures in in the companies. And, you know, I I would say there is the, the major difference I experienced so far, not only in the companies where I'm working for, uh, also in the customers who I visited and where I am. I think there is a difference between American companies, definitely, and more European ones. So <laughs> someone said once to me in my life at Salesforce that I'm maybe the most American German they ever seen. So that was always a little, uh, uh, a little bit interesting, you know, but I think mm. what I learned in, in an American company like Salesforce is that the culture is really important and, and people and the internal things, they are breaking all the strategies when you have them and they are not going in there. So it's really important to generate an environment where everybody can thrive, where everybody can learn, and 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 where is a huge portion of fun uh, into the game, definitely. And I've seen also, you know, that you can have announcements to the market much earlier earlier than, for example, uh, European companies are doing, you know, on product mm -hmm. and, and on innovation. And so I think this is then definitely the thing. 
what I mean also when we talked beforehand on on the German skills of engineering and on all of that things, you know, this is, I think, something what we Europeans can also learn a little bit, you know. Uh, sometimes we don't need to sit for years in our rooms and prove the solutions before we tell somebody about it. And, you know, it is all about the balance between how fast you are, how agile you are, when is the point when you really can deliver, when the customer really can get value out of it. And this is really about how to sharpen that, you know. And when we are coming back to the Buzzware thing, you know, Buzzware is definitely a Finnish company, but transformed a lot in the past. You know, when you're looking at the board of directors or the executive management team, this is now really an international uh, executive team or international team of board of directors. And this is really important for myself, you know, because this gives the touch also to be, to set up the foundation for future growth globally. And, you know, it is all about when you want to be successful, when you want to be to grow the company, you have to look that you are covered in all of the markets, that you have the good solutions with the best values in all of the markets, you know, and you have then sometimes this region is a little bit back, sometimes the other region is back. So you are just there, you are just there. But overall, you have always to look to have a balance so that it mm. can continuously grow and that you really reduce the noise on the way how you grow. Yeah. All of that sounds like it keeps you really, really busy. What do you like to do to relax and unwind when you're not behind a desk or on a phone or traveling? So um, I definitely uh, love to spend time with my wife. I love to cook or to barbecue. So uh, we have a garden and um, so we spend really a lot of time in the garden. Uh, you know, I play tennis, so a little bit sport, a little bit to be a bit healthy. I think this is also good. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think that's about it. And I definitely love nature. You know, uh, go out in the forest, having a walk or simply enjoy silence, you know, uh, the sun, see some green things. This is super important for me. And I also drive some private projects to help, you know, the, the nature to be able to... Uh, make uh, an area for more insects, you know, for bees, for stuff like that. So, so this is really what's something which is in my heart and where I really do invest there a lot of time also to go there. But the most important thing for me is I, I always want to go there in projects which are, I call it always touchable, you know. They are not far away when you collect money, you give money to something and you maybe see it only once a year. So for me, it is important, you know, to, to help here and focus on nature and sustainability in the area where I live. And, you know, definitely south of Germany has done a lot for nature, a lot for sustainability, but, you know, there are still areas what you can do. And so I think, you know, for me, it's important to activate friends or other people to go together down on the road and that we are looking in our neighborhood what we can do to, to, to make the planet a bit better. I like that for sure. When you look back over the last 10, 20, 30 years, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> what gives you, what, what are you most proud of? Definitely that I think I could always stick to my core values mm. on the personal thing. Yeah. Now you mentioned the core values, patience, you mentioned, you said you were working on that. Yeah. Uh, 
honesty. Just remind me again. There was I know honesty was the first one. Commitment and yeah. curiosity. And curiosity. Now, I just like to spend a bit of time on that for a moment, and and here's why. I think most people, and I have no empirical evidence for that. I just a sense that most people would like to think themselves as honest, that they were curious, um, and so and 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 they were committed to their own causes. So what I'm curious about is. The process, or it, you said it took a year for you to be able to crystallize that. Why do you think it was kind of out of spot, sight or in your blind spot? Because, yeah, I, 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 because I think they're such, when I say common values, I, I think we all could be a whole lot better at them. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm really curious about, which is... Uh, it, it wasn't that you discovered them, it was that you said you took a year for them to crystallize. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, good. So it is, you know, uh, when you start to think about what are your core values, when my business coach asked me that, I could not give him an answer. Because I really have not thought about that before, you know. And then the exercise started, you know, going back. To school, you know, how and why I decided to go into this industry. And I studied architecture, so building houses, you know, uh, that was my, my first point, you know, why I did this decisions, you know, and then of course, during my university studying architecture, I figured out, you know, that in the construction or in the build uh, house building industry, there are some ethical things wrong. You know, some people, some investors don't pay the workers or don't do that and only for own profit and things like that, you know. And so I really realized for myself that this is not an area where I want to work in. Right. You know, this is a kind of an example. And so I thought, you know, uh, why I have decided not to continue in this industry. So I finished my university definitely, but then I gone into, by surprise, into software industry. Uh, and, you know, it was about... Why I, why I have decided for that. And, and then I remember that, you know, and then, for example, this honesty thing came up into my mind because I have more interactions in my life where I did decisions when I found out later that was purely based on honesty. Because, you know, when you work in an area or something and you could not be honest about yourself that you are not giving people the things what they normally should get, or when you treat them wrong, that is for me against honesty, you know? And so this is what I don't want to do. And that was then the reason why I decided to not continue in construction industry and, and going ahead. And you know, then when you think back, what was always the important thing for myself? What are the moments in my life what I always remember as positive moments. And then I found out this is commitment because most of the moments which are really positive in my mind out of my past were something where I told somebody one, we can do this. And then afterwards I could achieve it. You know, what I told to somebody, you know, we said we will achieve this goal. We will do it in this way. And, you know, then something later you achieve this goal. And that made me personally pretty proud 
about myself and I was then happy, you know, and so it's all about uh, the commitment I gave to some people that I really want to deliver that. And sometimes you don't get to the point where you can deliver something. So then you I get really disappointed. And I think, you know, that's then the second one. And the whole thing about curiosity and learning, I think that was one of the easiest ones, because when I really look back on what are the things what I get excited about, you know, it's definitely to achieve growth, personal, financial, uh, career growth, uh, always like that. But, you know, the other thing is then really, I'm cool, curious to learn, you know, to learn about new things. And, you know, regardless how tired I am, when I find something new where I can learn something, I'm I'm a hundred percent wake up, you know, and uh, oh. this is really something there where uh, curiosity, learning, that's really in my inner circle, and yeah, uh, yeah this is something, and I experience that sometimes, you know, uh, when you are uh, in front of the television and you are really tired and you find a topic which is coming in the television, which is really where you can learn something, and wow. And, you know, then you watch this for an hour and after that you are not tired at all anymore. So yeah. that's sometimes a problem to find a sleep, yeah. but <laughs> it's yeah. good. It makes sense now when you explain it that way and that uh, as attributes, we like to think we're honest, uh, we like to think we're committed, etc. But what you're telling me is it goes a lot deeper than that, is that when there's honesty is absent, uh, that's a problem for you or when yeah. you don't you're not in an environment where it's constantly challenging your your learning your, your own internal yeah. curiosity then you're going to be not just even bored i'd say unhappy yes um i would imagine then when you said about commitment if you were in an environment where people kept chopping and changing all the time that would drive you crazy. Yes, exactly. Or when yeah. somebody yeah. gave a commitment right. and then uh, when there is a problem to get to the commitment, when they don't take it serious. Yeah. Or, you know, when they are not uh, disappointed yeah. by themselves, you know, oh, that makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now, so what, what really interests me about this as well, if you take just two of them, the, the, the curiosity and the honesty, but particularly the curiosity one, is that, you, 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 you have this, I guess it's an awakening, uh, a, a sense of awareness, more of a self-awareness that, that this journey you've been on. Um, there must have been, like, if, if you weren't curious about that before, but you have a real need to be curious, and very often when we put these rigid structures in our life, I must do it this way, I must do that, we're not being honest with our true selves. Now, I don't mean that we're being dishonest. It's just that we don't see, we don't have that clarity. And so that must create a kind of a tension in you because your core values are not being nurtured and taken care of because life has you in this box or, or has you in this lane that's kind of restricting you. And every moment you get to step out of it on a project that, that sparks your curiosity and allows you to be committed and then life throws you back into... A, a lane again that creates a sense of tension because and you don't know why you don't know why there's this tension there it just exists and and, and i'm guessing that discovering these core values when you said a lot of things made sense to me it's just that 
it's, it's, it's that you now kind of go, now I know why I was unhappy in that particular role or working on that project. Yeah, yeah. And, and now also it gives you a sense of excitement because now you have much greater clarity on the kind of engagements and projects that are going to bring you a sense of satisfaction. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and it gives myself also, you know, after knowing that and after found out what are my core values are, that I develop without knowing some methods, you know, how to solve topics, you know. For example, when you give a commitment on something, you know, and then you realize after something, uh, maybe I don't know exactly how to come there, you know. Then, you know, I, I have a kind of a conflict with my honesty, you know. But then I can use the curiosity part and start to listen to other, you know, to learn more about how we could overcome this topic, to trust other people, to learn, you know, and then without shaping it in a, in a bigger area, sharing it with more people, I would say in all of the cases normally, you find a way together with others to achieve your commitment and then at the end you have the chance you know to be honest again to deliver your commitment and you use the curiosity to come there yeah yeah so so, so when you look forward now sorry um, I'm just, when you're looking forward over the next five years ten years and so on what are you most excited about to see how we as a world are transforming our economics, what we have today now, into a more sustainable way, you know, and uh, use really technology uh, to make this planet exist longer, I would say. This is, this is the real uh, thing there, and I'm really curious about to see how that is going. And I'm personally a big believer in technology. And I think technology can overcome it, you know, uh, that we are producing too much uh, CO2, um, all that things. Uh, but, you know, coming back to the topics, uh, we have to become more agile on that, you know. We have to be also more flexible and it has to go, you know, through all the elements of our society. It has to go into the politics, into the government, into the companies that we really all have to get more agile to cover all of the, the the points what we need to avoid this climate change, you know. And I think we have so good examples about how to produce uh, fuels uh, without uh, carbon, for example, you know, uh, how to go with the electric cars. But I think we are definitely not at the end. And there are much more things upcoming. And I think also, you know, when you look at, at social media, you see very often, hey, uh, the vulcan who came to uh, La Palma, for example, that exhausted so much uh, carbon uh, like Germany can save in 50 years, you know. So we don't need to save now. But, you know, this is exactly the wrong behavior what some people are showing because I think everybody has to do something. Everybody has to bring his little portions to the game, you know, how we can save, how we can innovate, how we can more live in alignment with our nature and you know we are a lot of people on this world and when everybody is really doing a small thing i think that is really the stuff uh what really transforms the world mm. I, germany has always been at the forefront has always been a leader in in environmental protection i remember back in the 80s back 1985 i worked for a summer at Sudwestfunk. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I, what I noticed was on the on the TV after every news program, there was a little segment on the Umweltschutz, and it was they talked about acid acid rain was a was a big threat, and they showed pictures of trees that had been stripped mm-hmm. because of uh, uh, acid in the rain, and and of course, well, I worked in the UK then shortly after, and I know they talked a lot about the ozone, but not in the same way as they had in Germany. I mean, Germany. Germans were recycling. We're, we're, we're putting recyclables into different bins. Yeah, yeah. We are years, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no question. I think the rest of the world is waking up to this now more recently. But so I guess, for, for, what is it you guys have learned about what's required in order to get us to all adjust our behaviors? Because you've got a long track record in it with with some successes, but also there's a lot of things in Germany when it comes to environmental protection have, haven't changed very much. So I guess what I'm looking for is what, what else needs to change and what else can we do? You know, I think we, we have really to focus, I, I think back, you know, on the things where we are really good at. It's about engineering, it's about to rethink the problems, you know, and uh, to be more agile on that things. And, you know, a lot of people, are, when I le- uh, read international news, for example, the decision that Germany did to go completely out of nuclear power, a lot of people are smiling about it because uh, some say now, you know, nuclear power is maybe the cleanest version what we can do actually. This is how we can go away from coal. And that may be also true. But, you know, uh, in Germany, without any nuclear power anymore, we have somehow to find ideas how we can come to our energy anymore. And I think the reason why we are so... uh, so good in solar panels or uh, also in wind energy. I think that has a lot to do with that, that we are somehow got forced to rethink the whole um, 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 uh, the whole innovation and the whole energy topic. And I think, you know, this, this can be really something where um, we are really forced to go a little bit deeper into it. So I'm really proud about that decision that Germany is not using any uh, nuclear power in the future anymore. And, you know, I personally, by myself, since last year, I have solar panels, I have batteries, so I can live at home without any external energy. And this was really something where we invested there a lot in, but I'm super happy, you know. And, you know, especially now with the big... uh, gas crisis and the energy crisis, what we have in the last two, three weeks, it makes me also really satisfied that we took that decision to invest in these days into it, because now at home, we are not so much touched about that and we can focus our our time and our money on something else, which maybe helps more. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to decide how I ask this question. So, Here's my lead. I'm going somewhere with this. You know the way in the States they love their guns, or at least there's a certain part of the population love their guns. And when you talk about, you know, wouldn't it be better for everybody if there was fewer guns? The standard response is, over my cold, dead body, will you take this gun out of my hand? Um, (laughs) Germany. (laughs) No speed limit on the Autobahn. It is the only country that I know of in in Europe, certainly that that is that way. What if what if there was somebody proposed 
for environmental protection reasons, as in use less fuel, uh, that you would reduce the speed limit on the autobahn to 120 kilometers an hour, would you support that? And would your friends like you afterwards? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, uh, when you would have come with another argu argument uh, compared to climate, I would have definitely said no. <laughs> so we should not do that, you know. Um, the climate thing is definitely an important one. But, you know, and I think definitely in these days, it is the truth that when we drive slower, that we uh, are better for the climate. But I think when we are going maybe four or five years into the future and we have really um, synthetic fuels, which are uh, carbon neutral, or when we have battery technology, you know, which does not need so much uh, things, which also cause in production a lot of carbon, things like that, I think then it gets again irrelevant. But, you know, this is a kind of, you know, how fast is Germany in implementing uh, a speed limit? And, you know, uh, sometimes it can also happen that when it gets implemented, then already uh, it is not the case anymore that uh, speed really produces more carbon than actually. So that is a kind of the balance. So I am personally unsure. I definitely like to drive fast. Um, the climate thing is definitely something to concern. Uh, but, you know, there is also how we drive, on which rules we are driving, and, you know, when, I, when I'm on a highway in another country, and I don't say that, and the people are overtaking on the right side and on the left side, there is a huge risk for getting injured, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think in such a country, there there has to be a speed limit because the people are not driving ah, in a way that it is. Get it now. You know? but when the you speed limit is there not for climate reasons, but it's there because people can't drive like Germans can. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny joke, you know. No, I, I was just to see, you see, you've just burst the stereotype of Germans not having a sense of humor. Exactly. Like, you're dead right. But Absolutely. you know, I have not said that the Germans can drive better than other, but they implemented rules which allow you to drive faster. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rules are when somebody's driving up behind you, they get right up behind you and they flash you like mad. You and then you get out that. of the way. You should not that's, do that. You know, we that's, have to respect the other people uh, which we meet on uh, the, the streets. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say the I have been on autobahns in Germany, and I think it, my experience. I remember driving once from Frankfurt to Munich, and to be honest, there wasn't that many parts of the motorway that I was able to get up to anywhere like fast speeds. There was either roadworks or traffic was heavy, so I think it's one of those things that maybe you have to drive very early in the morning or late in the night to, to achieve it. But just for clarity, just for clarity, we're not giving up the, the no, z, no speed limit on the autobahn. What we've got to do instead is invent a technology that allows us to drive at speed uh, without giving off more CO2, right? That, that's that's what think, we've got to get to. I think right. that's the point. And you know, I'm personally a big fan of this thing called People Mover. You know, I've uh, gone to the EAA, you know, this international 
automotive mobility exhibition in Munich. And I was pretty happy to see there are some autonomous driving vehicles, you know, where not even a wheel was there. And I think that will also guide us into a way where this discussion about the speed limit gets irrelevant. Because, you know, when you sit somewhere, you don't have to drive by yourself, you know. The time when you arrive at, the, uh, at your destination, that maybe gets a different one. So you don't need to drive as fast anymore to, to meet the time when you are at the destination because you can sit in a vehicle which drives automatically and you can do your work, you can do all your things. And so there is may no need to go super fast in the future. Yeah, makes sense. Alan, we are up on time. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I have one final question before I let yeah. you go. Uh, if there was a book written about your life, what would you like the title to be? The journey is to go. Oh, that's, I like it. I really like that one. Alvin Shower, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Sales Leadership Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me here. It was really a, a great conversation, a lot of fun into it. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to you to talk to you again.